0: Just a reminder before we start that The Wealth Journal is, of course, not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I cannot advise you on your investments, how you manage your money. So please, of course, speak to a professional. The Wealth Journal is here for educational and entertainment purposes. I do not recommend you buy or sell any form of security, asset, stock, crypto or whatever. We're just having a conversation and hopefully you'll learn something. Now, this week i talk about my biggest single investment as it stands today is this just a huge gamble or could it potentially be the best trade i will ever make and also there's been a lot happening in the markets recently which has resulted in me updating my portfolio once again so stick around for that now with that out the way let's get cracking Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wealth Journal podcast with me, Jay Hardy. Thank you for listening once again. And I'm just going to kick straight off with the first point in my Wealth Journal this week, which is Ethereum. Now, I feel like the podcast has been following a little bit of a crypto journey of late. But I can't talk about Bitcoin without talking about Ethereum. So if you think of Bitcoin as decentralized money then Ethereum, I guess, is looking at other things that can be decentralized using the incredible blockchain technology, a technology that allows us to reach a decision without a central authority. So what other uses can it have? So I'm going to talk about Ethereum. Now, just for transparency, I actually hold Ethereum in my personal portfolio. And Ethereum is basically a technology Similar to Bitcoin, it allows you to send cryptocurrency to anyone for a, for a small fee, but it also powers a huge amount of applications that everyone can use and no one can take down. It's considered the world's programmable blockchain. Ethereum builds on Bitcoin's innovation, but with some big differences. Both let you use digital money without payment providers or banks, but Ethereum is programmable. So you can use it for lots of different digital assets, even Bitcoin. Now, it's based on the same fundamental blockchain technology as Bitcoin. But it's a new program with more features, but therefore more complex. And when I say new, it's probably been around really since 2017. Although the idea was sort of, you know, penciled in a little bit earlier than that. But yeah, it's a bit more complex, and of course that's you're probably thinking, yeah, just what, just what I needed, something more complex than Bitcoin. But stick with it. Now this almost um this also means that Ethereum is more than just payments. It's basically a marketplace of financial services, games and apps that can't steal your data or censor you. So over the years, I've heard that Bitcoin and Ethereum are compared in different ways. I guess the first one I heard was that um, Ethereum is silver to pick Bitcoin's gold, which I don't really agree with. I've also heard that Bitcoin is gold, and therefore Ethereum is a little bit like the S&P 500 of the crypto world. It sort of represents a bit more of the broader rest of the market. And I sort of get that a lot of the other cryptocurrencies out there are linked to Ethereum in, in some way. But probably the most recent one that I came across from a report released by Bank of America back in October referred to Bitcoin as digital gold, whereas Ethereum is more like digital oil. It has a vast infrastructure which leverages the power of Ethereum from financial payments, insurance, prediction markets, NFTs and more. Ethereum is like this liquid utility in the same way that oil is to help power a huge amount of things that. That occur in the crypto world in the same way that oil helps power a huge amount of things in the, in the physical world. So let's just break Ethereum down a little bit. So first of all, Ethereum is a cryptocurrency named Ether or ETH. It's a scarce digital money that you can use on the internet, similar to Bitcoin, and you can use Ethereum on applications or send it to friends and family. So that's the currency part. We also have Ethereum wallets where you can manage your Ethereum and store it. We talked about wallets a little bit in the previous episode. And then the other part, and probably the most unique part for Ethereum, is the apps. So think of these apps similar to the apps on your iPhone. It's products and services that run on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, these apps in the crypto world are known as dApps. So you might have heard that term a few times which basically stands for decentralized applications. They're not owned or run by a single entity. Once you sort of create an app or a DAP, put it on the Ethereum blockchain, you then lose control by its nature. So Ethereum's goal is to basically decentralize the internet. And you're probably thinking, wait, but nobody owns the internet. Well, these days, most of the web activity actually runs through large third parties. Think of Amazon, Google, eBay, Apple, Facebook. If you want to build a new app, you're probably going to have to fit it within Apple's app store rules. And guess what? They're going to take 30% of your sales. They'll go to Apple. If you want to connect with people, you're probably going to have to share your data with Facebook, who then sell it onto advertisers. If you want to search for things, you're going to have to do it via Google, who again, sell it to advertisers. If you want to release a new Christmas song or a Christmas album, You're probably going to have to get it listed onto Spotify or Apple Music, and they're just going to give you a slither of the profits via royalties, which is why, at the moment, the Wealth Journal Christmas album is on hold. I'm dreaming of a wealth Christmas. (laughs) Anyway, all web activity pretty much goes through an intermediary. Now, Ethereum aims to connect people directly through a powerful, decentralized computer, And this is the combined power of all the Ethereum computers in the network, creating essentially a supercomputer, in very much the same way that the Bitcoin payments are validated through a huge collection of of individual computers, sort of verifying the, the blockchain. Ethereum works in a similar way, but it's more of a general purpose blockchain with flexibility. So that's Ethereum, but when it comes to blockchains, there's also... The, the added incentive of this tokenization. So Ethereum is the blockchain, but then we also have the ETH token, and this helps keep the network moving. Now validators, similar to Bitcoin, get rewarded uh, rewarded in ETH, in the same way that Bitcoin miners will get rewarded in Bitcoin. So as they're processing all the Ethereum blockchain transactions, that they're, they're getting they're getting rewarded in it. So there's an incentive for them to continue to do so. But that means you can also invest. Into ETH as an asset, um, and actually use ETH to interact with the Ethereum network and, and spend your ETH to, to buy things or you know pay for transaction fees. These are often referred to as gas fees, and they can fluctuate based on on the demand of the Ethereum network. Now, at the moment, the network can only handle so many transactions sort of per per second, and they are looking at scaling this over time, which can actually put pressure on the ethereum gas fees and make them quite expensive and due to the explosion in nfts recently and having a huge amount of demand on the ethereum network gas fees have been at a bit of an all-time high some of these fees are used for uh, staking rewards again that's another another term we can go into in, in a future podcasts but some of these fees are actually are actually burnt once they've been paid they sort of disappear they they go which means Ethereum in some ways, although there's a there's a fixed supply of Ethereum, they're actually gradually over time going to reduce the supply of Ethereum. So in terms of them tokenomics, which we've talked about in the past of Bitcoin, Ethereum has really good tokenomics. So ETH as, as a currency is actually, well, if anything, a deflationary currency. So there's going to be less, gradually less of it over time. And because of this, And because of this popularity and the scale of Ethereum, what's being built on top of it, it's become the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, which at the time of recording this is around 500 billion. Who knows, that can change hourly when it comes to crypto. But it's valued so highly because people believe also in its potential as we move into the next phase of the internet, because it's very much at the forefront of this. Unlike Bitcoin, however, Ethereum does have its competitors There are other blockchains out there who are competing with Ethereum to have app developers use their blockchain to build these dApps on. And there's some that offer cheaper transactions that, that run faster. And I guess the risk when it comes to buying Ethereum and putting all your eggs in that basket is that there could be a challenge from another project, one which could overtake Ethereum in the future. Now, as it stands, though, Ethereum is by far the most popular and has the biggest user base. It's got the biggest NFT platform that runs on it, which is OpenSea. That's part of the Ethereum ecosystem. It's got some of the largest stable coins and DeFi projects that work on Ethereum currently. So there's still a huge amount of development on, on Ethereum. And most people in this space tend to think Ethereum will be the overall winner. But you never know. And when it comes to crypto, there's there's a lot of passion in the space. So um, just by me saying that, there'll be somebody out there who's like, absolutely, he's wrong. It's this Project that's going to destroy Ethereum in the future. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's true. Who knows? But my view on Ethereum, well, I actually like I like the potential of Ethereum, and certainly as the world of NFTs and decentralized finance gathers pace, not to mention the Metaverse um, tokens that are also Ethereum based, and we keep hearing this term, the Metaverse. If all this does become such a big deal, then I think we'll see the price of Ethereum continue to grow over the long term. And that's why Ethereum actually makes up 50% of my crypto portfolio as it stands today. And it is my single biggest investment across my entire portfolio. So you could say I am very bullish when it comes to Ethereum. But of course, That's not financial advice. It's just my opinion. The reason for that is because at the moment, crypto is still, in terms of users worldwide, I think we're around about 300 million, which is less than 4% of the global population. And considering that Ethereum is massively involved in this crypto ecosystem and the amount of users on there, if that continues to grow, then I believe Ethereum will grow with it. And therefore, the upside potential is potent <laughs> the upside potential is potentially huge but of course who knows and at this stage yeah i'm willing to take that chance point 2 in my wealth journal this week is a current market update now the markets have been a little bit shaky these past couple of weeks and i want to provide some context in case you was wondering what on earth is going on Well, firstly, something that we can all relate to, unfortunately, is this new COVID variant, which is, of course, causing some uncertainty. And we don't really know at this stage how bad this COVID variant is. And as mentioned in previous episodes, it's the uncertainty which generally has the biggest effect on the markets. They just don't know how to price things in when there's uncertainty. The next point is inflation. (coughs) Now, I talked about inflation on episode eight of the podcast, um, which was making markets a little bit nervous. And I was arguing at that point whether inflation was transitory, as in it was just sort of a temporary effect of the pandemic. But I can't remember what I said, but I didn't think it was. I don't know if I put that opinion across at the time. But now the US Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, has finally said that he no longer views inflation as, as transitory. Um, which is pretty much what everybody thought, and he's basically then signaled his his openness to accelerate the pace of the bank of the bank's unwinding crisis era monetary policy. So effectively slowing down the amount of money going into the system to help keep the keep the economy going, which is obviously helping drive inflation. So this also means that one there's potentially going to be less less money into the system which can obviously affect asset prices but also it means that there's um, a higher chance of interest rates going up in in the future and this again as discussed in episode eight is is bad for asset prices if borrowing costs increase companies institutions may be forced to sell their assets in order to cover the higher interest on their debt if you're selling assets as a result that reduces the price of assets and of course can cause the stock markets to go down um, and the crypto market, and we saw a big knock-on effect on the crypto market. So on Friday night, early Saturday morning, there was a huge, a huge drop in the crypto markets, so where prices pretty much fell across the board. I think Bitcoin was down between maybe fifteen and twenty percent. Some of the other alternative coins was was even lower. And um, I guess it was a result of some of these uncertain things going on in the market. I think more specifically to the crypto space, there's a, there's a, there's a meeting in um in Washington this week with um some regulators and, and some people from the crypto industry. So whether there's a bit of uncertainty around that we'll we'll find out. Um, but with crypto as well, when it comes to these big sell-offs, they can be compounded even further in the crypto space due to investors using leverage and basically getting liquidated when prices fall. Now, trading on leverage allows you to make much bigger gains, but a huge risk. You essentially work with your broker and you put up some of the cash and they give you the rest so you can make much more money on the, on the swings in the market. Now, the problem is when prices fall or go the opposite way to which, which you think, your losses can be, can be huge, almost unlimited, so the brokers tend to put in like a bit of a stop loss that will cancel out the trades and just and just sell and auto liquidate and when the prices start to go down and these these traders that are i guess effectively trading on leverage get cancelled out of their positions that can have a knock on effect and force the market down even lower which is why on with crypto when we have these drops we see these we see huge drops as well as a result of these um I guess, leverage positions get getting liquidated and cancelled out. And this is why I don't trade with leverage. So that's a bit of a market update, and hopefully that puts everything into a little bit of context for you. That leads me nicely on to point three of my wealth journal this week, which is a portfolio update. Now, as the crypto market took a downturn, I decided to buy the dip, as they call it, on Bitcoin at the weekend. Now, I've been doing a lot of research these past few months on crypto, and it does remind me of a comment that I heard from Naval Ravikant, who who said crypto acts very much like a bit of a brain virus. Once you start learning about it, it sort of spreads in your mind and it, it becomes the only thing you can think about. I've definitely I've definitely been there, but there's a number of projects that I'm keen on at the moment. And then when the market dipped, my brain pretty much exploded and I didn't know what to buy. I felt like everything had gone on sale and everything that I was keen to buy literally a few days previously suddenly was a lot cheaper than what it was when I was initially looking at it. So I I had massive investing FOMO, like big time. And it's sort of still going on because prices are still a little bit lower than when I was looking looking last week. And I wrote an article about this a few weeks back about investing FOMO and how to how to manage it. So I really need to take my own advice. So I've decided... I've decided just to relax, just sit back. If there is a huge opportunity over the next few weeks, then then I might potentially update my portfolio even more. But I think at this stage, I'm just going to try and play it cool and maybe even um, call it a day for 2021 in terms of my, my investing investments and updating my portfolio. Christmas is around the corner. Um, and so maybe I'll, I'll just... Uh, Save a bit of extra cash for for Christmas and yeah, eat some more mince pies. But yeah, so updates to my portfolio. I bought some more Bitcoin, and I'm still I'm still fairly fairly bullish on Bitcoin. As I mentioned just earlier in the podcast, Ethereum makes up a lot of my portfolio. I'd like to try and just increase my Bitcoin holding a little bit and um, spread that across across probably bitcoin and ethereum a little bit more plus some of the other alt alt, alt coins or alternative coins point four in my wealth journal diary this is just a, a small personal update i actually did make one other investment this week and this one was in myself i've joined a gym so not all investments have to be financial assets wealth is health after all so this year i've got massively into my into my running as as i've mentioned in the previous podcast i did run a marathon um yeah, I've only mentioned that a few times, um, but I've decided that I want to work on on some other aspects of my fitness as I moved into as I move into twenty twenty two. Now the gym actually doesn't open until February, so I've got a few months where I can just sit on my ass and relax. <laughs> but that's my goal. That's my goal, just to uh, just to join the gym, and um, that's it. Really, that's it from the podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, one thing I would. I would like you to do, I was reading a book, I think it was by Eric Reese. It's called The, Re- the Lean Startup, uh, where it talks about different growth strategies for startups. And one of the ones was uh, was viral growth. And this book was written quite a few years back. Actually, it was one of these like old startup classics on how to how to grow a startup. And he was talking about viral growth and basically like R rates of growth. <laughs> and we all know our way R rates um, so well these days because of the pandemic. But it did get me thinking actually about the podcast like I could do with an I could do with an r rate of certainly above one to help the podcast grow exponentially so last few weeks, I've asked you just to tell one friend this week, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please reach out to at least two friends and tell them about the podcast. That'd be much appreciated and help the podcast help the podcast grow behind the scenes, i'm working on a lot there's a lot more to come with this podcast hopefully as we get into um sort of the christmas time and the new year so stay tuned for that of course check out my social channel Jay hardy the wealth journal on instagram where i'll continue to try and post a bit of content and yeah look forward to to speaking again next week take care <music>